1994, a goth glam trio called the Rocket Baby Dolls applied for and received a £150 grant to buy some musical equipment. They entered a local battle of the bands, and in an attempt to make a statement, they smashed all £150 worth of equipment on stage after their set. Frontman Matt Bellamy would later say, It was supposed to be a protest, a statement, so when we actually won, it was a shock, a real massive shock. After that, we started taking ourselves seriously. They quit their jobs, moved out of their hometown, and changed their name to Muse. And ten years later, Muse were going interstellar. Their music no longer fit into the thousand-seat venues they'd been playing in years prior. Their music was destined for grander arenas, headlining the main stage of Glastonbury Festival, shaking a packed Wembley arena to its foundations. But despite the change of venues, Muse hadn't changed at all. During their 2004 tour, Bellamy smashed 140 guitars, a world record for the most guitars smashed on a tour. In an interview at the time, he had to admit, We've got to a point where we're pretty much free to do whatever we like, and Muse took full advantage of the freedom. They retired to a chateau in France and relaxed. They took their time, and once cabin fever struck, they moved to New York to soak up the sights. After 12 years of non-stop work, Muse finally had a moment to breathe, and by 2006, they were ready to release their biggest album yet. Muse's Black Holes and Revelations released on July 3rd, 2006, and entered the charts at number one in five countries. It was later certified triple platinum in the UK and platinum in the US. Unfortunately for society and humanity at large, another album was released six days prior. The Crazy Frog released more crazy hits, an abomination that may have just taken the crown as the worst album that Pedro and I have ever listened to. <sighs> Welcome to When Albums Collide. Welcome to When Albums Collide, the podcast where myself, Judd Boaz, and my co-host Pedro Duran review two albums that came out at exactly the same time. Speaking of that, co-host Pedro, how are things? Good, Judd. I am good. Um, I was a little under the weather last week, but I'm, I'm feeling better now. How are you? We've bounced back in a big way, um, but you know, we, we do have adoring fans. We've recently topped over, I think, like 1,700 followers on Instagram, so thank oh, you to sweet. all those people. Uh, that being said, they are baying for our blood because we missed a week, so we have to punish ourselves as a result. And I could think of no finer punishment than the two albums we subjected ourselves. Actually, one of the albums is fine, mm. um, and the other album is by Muse. <laughs> Uh, let's, I mean, let's get into it. Two albums. We're reviewing Muse's Black Holes and Revelations, which was a sensation, sold millions of copies, nominated for the Mercury Prize, uh, July 3rd, 2006. And then, uh, I guess six days before that, Crazy Frog came out with more crazy hits on June 27th, 2006. Good gravy. Pedro, you're quite unfamiliar with both of these acts. I suggested them to you and and you weren't quite sure of who they were. Yeah, that's right. Muse, I mean, I've heard of Muse, just casually people talking about it, but I've never heard a Muse album. I've thought I've never heard a Muse song until I listened to this album and then I was like, wow, I think you know what song I'm talking about. Um, But I just think I don't know. I was thinking about it. I think just, <laughs> I think black people don't listen to Muse. I don't know. I'm just like, I've never, I was just like, okay, whatever. And then with Crazy Frog, when you brought it up, it was interesting because you, because I was like, Crazy Frog, what the fuck are you talking about? And then you sent me uh, a photo of the artist and I was flabbergasted to find out that, uh, I don't know, a digital character from the 2000s um, released an album. Uh, back in the day, it's almost like you know, like that Microsoft uh, 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 clip, uh, paper clip. Remember that from back in the day? It's like if I found out uh, that Microsoft paper clip released a hip hop album that was super successful in <laughs> Europe. Clippy dropped a super fire mixtape. Yeah, exactly. So here's the crazy thing, which is shows our age a little bit, but there are people that would be 20 years old listening to this podcast that were born in the year 2000, Pedro, that would have no idea what we're talking mm. about. So how about a bit of a history lesson before we dive into the albums? 
let's take it all the way back. We used to have these things called mobile phones or cell phones, depending on which side of the pond you're from. And people actually used to call each other and speak to each other using them. It was a bit like a Zoom call, but without the video. I know it sounds very primitive. Mm. Um, Now, back in this time period, people didn't have crippling social anxiety about talking to other people over the phone. So you'd actually get a phone call and people would just pick it up and, and talk to you like a human being instead of, you know, like sending you 40 WhatsApp messages or memes on Instagram. Um, And because people actually just wanted to talk to each other, they wouldn't just leave their phones on silent or on vibrate. They'd actually have these little jingles that would play to signify that you were receiving a telephone call. These are called ringtones. I know this is going to sound very foreign and very archaic, but they're called ringtones. And to separate yourself from the pack, you try to choose a really cool song to have as your ringtone. So when you get a phone call, you can identify that it is my telephone that's receiving a call, and it's a song I like. Mm -hmm. Enter the crazy frog. Now, in 1997, a 17-year-old Gothenburg student, Daniel Malmedal, recorded himself imitating the noises produced by a two-stroke engine, you know, like a lawnmower engine or something you pull. And he posted this on a website, and it caught the attention of a Swedish television researcher who convinced Daniel to perform the sound live on air. And after it debuted on television, recordings of the performance began appearing on file-sharing networks like Napster or Kazaar or LimeWire, all those places, under the file name 2taktair.mp3, which is a two-stroke engine. Now, I personally first encountered this sound in the early 2000s when we first got broadband internet in Alice Springs in, like, 2004 uh, at my parents' office, and I'd go there after school onto sites like Ebom's World, which unbelievably still exists, mm. and it would be titled, I believe it was called The Insanity Test. <laughs> okay. You'd click it, and it would be like a picture of a Formula One car, and it would have the MP3 of Daniel's voice imitating the two-stroke engine playing over the top of it. So it'd just be like a static JPEG of a car, and this sound playing over the top of it. At age nine, this was the funniest thing that I had ever heard. This was the peak of comedy to me. This was like my Charlie Chaplin, okay? This was okay. this was comedy in the internet era. So in late 2003, another Swedish guy, Eric Vernquist, encountered the sound effect and he didn't know about the previous, you know, incarnations of the sound or that it had been on TV. And so he created a 3D animated character he named The Annoying Thing to accompany it. And the animation was really funny. It was like this weird little creature that did the the noises. And it spread around the world and Ringtone Europe and Jamster, um, Jamster was like a ringtone company, Mm -hmm. when they got wind of it and they realized the money you could make off this by capitalizing off this, I'm going to call it a meme, an internet meme, one of the first ones, uh, they licensed the rights for it and called it the Crazy Frog and started marketing it in about mid-2004. Uh, what he said, Wernquist, was, if I had known that this was going to be such a big thing, I would not have allowed them to use that stupid name. It has nothing to do with the character. It's not a frog, and it's not particularly crazy either. I'm going to pitch this to you, Pedro, because I know you're a big MTV Mm -hmm. head, big VH1 head. In Australia, at least, in the mid-2000s, I want to say about 40% of the ads on Australian TV or on MTV and stuff, were ads for ringtones. Mm -hmm. You would text a number and they would basically rob you of $50 or so and they'd send you a few cheap MP3 files that you would turn into your ringtone. Right. Um, Did you have these over in the States? Ringtones, yeah, for sure. Uh, It it was just that year in 2000s where they were just... You're exactly on point with what kind of ad it was. It was like, text 1235 to this number and get 50 ringtones from all from t-pain or something like that exactly exactly yeah subscribe to jamster to get the pussycat dolls beefing hot head text chart 36 for westlife text chart 37 to 194,000. how about neo's chart smash text chart 38 or if you want rihanna's sos Text chart 39, and finally for next club chart here, text chart 40, and send to 194,000. Just a new, it was a new thing. It was a fad. I mean, that's that's died out. But I, I, I and it's funny because I bring up T Pain because um, 
T-Pain famously was very successful because of the ringtone game. So um, for um, while the, you know, Kazaa and Napster were um, super popular and artists were complaining about uh, people downloading their music, some artists were shifting their sites on the ringtone game and actually making uh, a lot of money off of it. T-Pain, say what you want. He's a smart fucking guy. Yeah. So of all these commercials, the Crazy Frog was the top. Like, this was the commercial. It was one of the very first internet memes, as I mentioned, along with, like, you know, a baby dancing to Hooked on a Feeling, stuff like that. Or, like, the hamster, the hamster dance. As a matter of fact, this meme that was bought by this ringtone company was so successful they released an entire album of remixes of classic songs with the sound effects of the crazy frog an album so successful so bloody successful going platinum in canada sweden new zealand they thought it would be prudent to create a sequel we're not even reviewing the first crazy frog album (laughs) we're reviewing crazy frog's second album Jesus Christ, let's get this over with. Let's take it down track by track. Oh boy, Pedro, we start things off. Uh, let's start let's start with the crazy frog. It's an intro. And if you were to uh, if I were to refer to maybe some Jungian psychology here, what is the animus of the album? What is the soul of the album? It's summed up in this intro for Crazy Frog and then the first song. We are the champions, ding a dang dong. This was released as a single on the fifth of june two thousand and six to coincide with the two thousand and six FIFA World Cup in football. And it is a cover of Queen's We Are The Champions, which is an incredibly famous song, with the crazy frog dubbed on top of it. What did you think? Uh, I mean, what what can we say? I mean, this is the whole album is just that it's classic songs from a lot more famous artists. And then you just have the crazy frog kind of scatting or beatboxing over the over the music and it's not and and don't let's not get it uh uh um wrong it's not like the official queen song oh yeah yeah. let's not get let's not get wrong brian may is not you know remixing this himself no 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 it's like a cheap karaoke cover of we are the champions with the same sample throughout all this album the entire album it's like there's only one recording of daniel malmedal the 17 year old uh, swedish person there's only one recording of him doing that sound right and it's just been cut and chopped up 15 times across the album yeah so it's just constant constantly throughout the song you hear this frog going whatever the fuck noises he's making all throughout it and then the song the actual songs are kind of what like they're like club mixes right or like edm versions i just imagine i can he's swedish right i can just imagine this being played in some festival in sweden a thousand like aryan looking people like on molly just throwing their hands up and bouncing to to this type of music because that's that's basically the whole album right there except for a couple of songs in the end where they have the the gall to like hire a rapper to uh yeah write some, uh, i was original uh, i came unglued at that i almost leapt out of my fucking seat at that point i was like can you just end this who you have the gall to hire some original talent for this anyway we'll get to it This single had its greatest success in France, where it went straight to number one on the 10th of June and stayed at this position for five weeks. If you recall, Pedro, France actually lost in the 2006 World Mm. Cup final to Italy that year. And I can only assume this was due to divine punishment from on high, with France being punished for purchasing so many copies of this single. God just could not let France get away with such evil. This song is a sin, and I don't care who knows it. This song is is a crime against humanity. Freddie Mercury could be generating electricity with the speed at which he is rolling in his grave uh, while this song is being played. Yeah, it's a, it's fitting that they lost uh, because uh, I think it's a, it's a just punishment because, uh, yeah, this is absolutely ridiculous. So, But it sets the stage brilliantly for what is coming. Oh, boy. Just, oh, boy. 
let's go to Muse. Now, Muse, you know, I covered them a little bit in the intro. Um, they strike me as a band that take themselves very, very seriously. Mm. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you got that vibe. I did a little bit. It, there's a few songs where they have a little bit of fun. Yeah. But they have this whole sci-fi, space opera, progressive rock thing. So sort of like a Radiohead light bargain bin Radiohead for the arena rock crowd. They must be pretty good live. I assume they're awesome live. I'm also 100% sure that the Crazy Frog and its albums going platinum around the world goes against everything that Muse stands for as musicians, and I know for a fact that they were disgusted they had to release their album six days after this abomination. Yeah. So let's kick off Black Holes and Revelations, which did release uh, a week after with Take a Bow. What did you think of Take a Bow? Yeah, like I said, I've never listened to Muse before. Um, So going to the album, I was kind of curious as to what their sound was. And uh, with this song, how it starts off with, I think it's just like a piano or a a synth. I I mean, for some reason, I just started thinking about the Matrix, like the opening of the Matrix when that binary code is like falling down (laughs) on the screen. But then it gets pretty dark. Um, They start talking about burning in hell and 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 all these things i i I just don't like to be told that i'm going to burn in hell one day i don't know that's just me um but it's a it it basically becomes a cacophony of sounds and and the for the first track i just wasn't really impressed it's a hell of an intro i will say because there's so much like crashing guitar after that build up as you said of the i don't know if it's a keyboard or a synth uh, of just like that constant build up of electronic noise and then it just all crashes down I can see what they're going for. They're going theatrical. They're going right. so broad. They're going galactic on their scale. Whereas Crazy Frog is lower than the lowest common denominator. This is dirt low of what it's going for. Let's take popular songs, cover them, and add a funny sound effect. Yeah. And make a 15-track album out of it. Uh, it's bold. I will say that. It is bloody bold. Muse continue with Starlight. For me, this is their big track. I don't know if you'd heard this one before, but for me, this was their big track. This is a classic mid-2000s indie rock track. This cascading piano line. It almost is a little bit Coldplay. That's the vibe I got from it. Mm -hmm. Matt Bellamy singing his heart out here. And the kicking of guitars and drums at the chorus is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Bellamy commented that he first wrote the song on a boat in bad weather. And the bassist Chris Wollstenholm, which is a very uh, British name, commented that it's a love song about missing someone, friends, family, someone you love, whoever. Uh, Starlight. You'd heard you'd heard this one before? No, no, I've I've never. Oh, heard really? This. No, no. Really? Like I said, I I I've never really I've never heard a I've never heard a Muse song. Well, we're gonna get to it because then I have heard one, but I didn't realize it was Muse at the time. Um, but in regards to Starlight, I like this song way better than that first song. Um, um, uh, take a take a bow, and I think it's because I mean. And, and you you know Judd and anyone listening knows I'm, I'm a sucker for pop music and I felt this song was a lot more pop formulaic it's a lot so- softer a lot lighter than the previous song it's more of that just a pop rock song and I do appreciate yeah as you said this galactic or space opera theme that they got going on and I think if they would have done more songs like this with that type of scene, theme like a Ziggy Stardust kind of thing I would have dug the, the whole album a lot a lot more I, I feel like I know what they were going for you're right but then they sort of veer into strange political territory right. we'll get to it yeah so that's what I mean like if it was more of a lovey kind of more traditional like pop with like that that Star Wars aesthetic um, it would have been a, a whole different album for myself it's always these like rock bands, right? Like these progressive rock bands or a lot of sometimes metal bands will do these big concept albums about like sci-fi space yeah. operas or whatever. And it's cool, but you really have to commit to it. And then it might just come off sounding corny, you yeah. know? Like I know uh, there's a, a very heavy metal album called Terminal Redux by Vector about galactic inter- interstellar warfare. And it's cool, but it's like... The people that listen to that kind of music are probably also the kind of people that paint those little figurines and play tabletop games, you know, yeah. just... <laughs> That's what I think about the average Muse listener. Sorry to any fans out there. 
Whereas the average person that buys a Crazy Frog album is in a sanitarium somewhere. Mm. Crazy Frog in the house. This song is an interpolation of Chacaron Macaron and the Knight Rider theme, yeah. the TV show starring David Hasselhoff. Yeah. Uh, the song is by Panamanian artists Rodney Clark and Andy Dela Cruz. And this song, the original song, Chacaron Macaron, originally gained attention online when the chorus was used on a YTMND page. If anyone knows what that is, you are right around my age bracket. Uh, and it was, it was basically set, like, this song was set to a gif of Batman um, in one of the, like, 1950s shows. And it was uploaded on YouTube for, like, millions of views. Basically, this song was a meme. We have a meme crossover here. Two memes colliding into each other. Throw in some David Hasselhoff. We've got memeception here. What did you think of Crazy Frog in the house? Oh, man. I mean... Already, like with this album, it's um the back foot for me. I mean, this sounded just like a like a reggaeton version of the Night Rider theme. Like I'm familiar, it, with- which is essentially what it is. Yeah, yes. that's exactly what it is. Like the guys say, speak in Spanish, and it's like, and then the Crazy Frog is basically ding 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 all all over it. That's a pretty good impression. I mean, I mean, that's just <laughs> thank you. Um, and um, yeah, it's just it's it's just Night Rider. It's just that Crazy Frog. A span. Imagine Knight Rider. Anyone who hasn't listened to the song, just imagine a Knight Rider theme, a frog just doing that, and some Spanish guys speaking some Spanish gibberish in the background, and that's basically what this song is. You know, so you mix it all together, and it sounds like this. <laughs> And it sounds like this exactly. So it's um, it is. This is this is. I don't, did it? Would you know? Did they make much money off of this album? Like, I think if they made ten dollars <laughs> off this album, it's too much money to be making yeah. off this album. They should be taken to jail for fraud because I I don't know. This is the, this is the thing. As we mentioned, most of the songs on More Crazy Hits by Crazy Frog are covers. So, the next song, I'm Too Sexy, which is the cover of Right Said Fred. Right. Jesus Christ. I mean, at least We Are The Champions is a famous and apparently good song. Mm-hmm. This is a piss-poor cover of an already shit song. Exactly. With Crazy Frog interspersed throughout. I genuinely didn't know at this point how I was going to get through the album. Three songs in. Yeah, because with this, because everyone knows I'm Too Sexy is kind of like a joke song right so now yeah, we're yeah. Taking one a, hit wonder yeah. yeah so now we're taking a joke and making another joke out of it it's like you're ordering a big mac and then you're just putting uh hershey's milk chocolate over it and being like oh that's healthy for me it's like no absolutely not it's just um it's it's really bad but i think in this version they have a girl singing it it's, it's supposed to make it different i guess i don't know i don't know i don't know if the rights you know, if Mr. Fred said, no, you can't use that. So he was like, all right, we'll just, we'll get a girl to sing it. So we are, uh, we have the license to go about using it. Right. Fred said, said, right. Look, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. The next song, I'll read you the first sentence I wrote after the next song. Hey, baby. Yeah. Holy shit. They did. Hey, baby. I think I'm developing ear cancer as this song goes on. By the way, how is this legal? Like, how are they getting away with this? Are they allowed to do it because it's classified as parody? Is DJ Otzi getting paid for this? This is blood money. So that's my description of what it is. Hey, baby, if you've ever been to a rugby game or if you've ever been to a festival, it's a very popular song that people sing along Mm. and there's like a call and response and ooh, ah, I want to know. It's uh, it's what it's what Caucasian people, I assume, it's what we think culture is. Um, I really like the song. It's a corny classic that when you're in the rugby stands, throwing up, uh, making yeah. out with strangers, pissing into cups, um, this is what it's all about. I don't want to hear this ever again. I don't want to hear Crazy Frog's rendition of Hey Baby ever, ever again. You know, they say, um, like, babies crying is the most distressing sound to the human ear. We're genetically programmed to be distressed by the cry of a baby because mm-hmm. we know something's in danger, mm-hmm. so we have to run towards that baby. And that's why we always wake up in the middle of the night when there's a baby crying. Mm. I think a thousand babies crying is equivalent to one crazy frog song. That's how distressing, <laughs> on a genetic level, this song is. Yeah, it will be Yeah, it's super close to it. Yeah, um, 
this is yeah it is crazy i mean this is basically it's a, it sounds like an edm version of uh of bruce channel's 1962 hit um yeah i mean like i've heard this i've heard the original so many times and i didn't realize you know the artist crazy frog decided to put his Midas touch on it when you say it like that i can see how this album this album was probably made for a bunch of europeans in a stadium you know watching a game of soccer and uh and then uh they have the crazy frog guy in the background maybe think people think it's funny or whatever but as an album i don't i just don't know how they were able to get away with this this is it's really crazy and and compared to um, a band like Muse, I'm, I'm sure they were probably sitting around the studio and thinking, you know, we put all this work in, we learned how to play our instruments, and um, we're on the same level as a, a fucking <laughs> meme frog. <laughs> it's interesting. Look, we're taking it back because this came out summer in, in over in the UK and the US, summer 2006, and so ringtones were obviously the hot flavor. This is the new way to deliver music to people is ringtones. This is the future, boys. We're here. Another thing that was developing around 2006 was this video sharing platform called YouTube. Mm. And Muse was actually very early to the party because they were uploading their music videos personally on their own account in 2006. That's very impressive. That's that's damn near probably like, you know, ten or f- five or ten years before everyone else jumped on the bandwagon. Right. Uh, so I looked up the next song, Supermassive Black Hole, on YouTube, and it is a trip through memory lane, my friend. This video actually uploaded in 2006, so forget 1080p, forget 720p. This video is only available in 144p. It's wow. it's it's like three pixels make up the entire video. Uh, and I actually, this is the song that I was like, oh, Muse just did this song, even though this was the first single. I didn't know Muse sang this song. This is a famous song. Yes. Yeah, the same thing. This was the one I actually was familiar with, and I was like, oh, I've heard this song, and embarrassed to say i've heard this song because this is featured on twilight the movie in their famous ah. baseball scene where it's a it's it's a ridiculous baseball it's a ridiculous scene it's it's on the web it's on youtube it's um it's basically all the vampires playing a game of baseball and they even it's so ridiculous they even met reference it in the movie they're like vampires play baseball <laughs> since when do vampires like baseball well, it's the American pastime, and uh, there's a thunderstorm coming. It's the only time we can play. You'll see why. It's time. Okay, now I see why you need the thunder. I mean, for at least for me, uh, maybe a way that a lot of people became familiar with this song back in the day. The frontman Matt Bellamy said in an interview, I was going out dancing in clubs around New York. That helped create tracks like Supermassive Black Hole. This is a good song. This is a like a, a nice indie rock song. Mm. It's not... They haven't, like, reached, even though it's called Supermassive Black Hole, so mm-hmm. there's a sci-fi element, but I feel like they haven't reached too experimental or too grandiose with their vision. Like, they could... This is what... This is radio play right here, is you'd... you'd find this this is the most accessible song yeah definitely like i imagine this uh to be a first single because um it, it is a cool party song you can listen to it i thought the song was dope even if it wasn't a twilight movie the f- um it was a good use of distortion toward the end as well um just enough that it makes it listenable because sometimes I, I like distortion but sometimes if you do it too much it can sound like marilyn manson like marilyn manson uses it and it's just it's just just hard on the ears. Back to more crazy hits. Crazy jodeling. This is a yodeling song featuring the crazy frog. Mm. Did you have anything else, Pedro, or can we move on? I put in my notes, wow, I didn't know Yoko Ono was on this album. <laughs> <laughs> everyone listen to our yoko ono episode to get that uh, i'll pay it yeah i'll pay that oh good shit man uh 
The next song, The Final Countdown. Man, they just choose the corniest songs to remix into this. Like, I'm not saying, okay, that I want to hear Crazy Frog remixed into, like, Fur Elise or Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, but at least choose something interesting to mix it into. Oh, by the way, this is what that sounds like. But choose like a a cool, modern or fun EDM song to mix it into. Don't just choose 80s pop songs and and mix it in it oh it this was it was making my skin crawl yeah yeah definitely uh, i'm i've never even been a fan of the original the, the final countdown i think i think it's kind of, kind of a corny song to me um but this is just a version this is i mean it just reeks of european trash all over um with a with the cartoon frog scatting and beatboxing that's basically what a lot of this is it's it's, it's jock jams with a fucking cartoon just making noises over it like that all over it and and that's an album that's a and that's an album that is acceptable in europe so you know i always say 2000s the the decade of 2000 from 2000 2010 i think it's just the nadir of pop culture it's the lowest point in human civilization when it comes to entertainment i can't disagree with you man i can't disagree with you because it produced people like you and me so it must have been trash (laughs) we're gonna take a pause for the cause we'll be right back with more when albums collide Hey guys, just a word from our sponsors, the Pigden Street International Film Festival. Based in Melbourne, Australia, the Pigden Street International Film Festival had its biggest year ever in 2020, with over 3,000 submissions from filmmakers all around the world. The official selection has been announced and tickets are going on sale for January screenings in Melbourne. To see the official selection or to find out more, visit pigdenfilmfest.com. That's pigdenfilmfest.com. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Check it out, there's plenty of great films to be seen at the Pigden Street International Film Festival. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the podcast, When Albums Collide, Judd Boaz and Pedro Duran with you. We're reviewing Black Holes and Revelations by Muse, which came out July 3rd, 2006, and more crazy hits by The Crazy Frog, which came out a week earlier, and it's very bad. Um, (laughs) Muse continue their album with Map of the Problematique. This title is a reference to the book The Limits of Growth in 1972 and the Club of Rome think tank who would create a map of the problematique detailing the global problematique, a set of likely challenges the world might face in the near future. Who gives a fuck, man? Like, mm. I hate when they get all, like, up their own ass. This is some art school talking heads, you know, New York art school bullshit right here. Mm-hmm. No one cares, man. Just play the music. Yeah. Yeah, this is, that's, that's, and it's interesting because I read that as well and that's why i was curious if you were uh, a lot more familiar with muse because i didn't get a sense as to what their style is generally you know if you listen to a band like uh i don't know i'm just I'm to pick an english band I've, and i mentioned all the time the darkness you kind of know what you're getting they might experiment with some other stuff and they do kind of crazy themes but you kind of know what sound you're getting um another band like even i mean we did an episode on primal scream and they were pretty consistent on that album but with this album it's kind of all over the place and i I just didn't know exactly what like what is what is the muse sound is it a sound that's a a little more radio accessible like supermassive black hole is it this experimental stuff like like this song or take a bow i was like i just don't get it like what where are they going for i just took i just assumed this album was just them trying to experiment and trying to be trying to do high art in a way and then when i read that fact in the research it was kind of like oh okay 
they're really like diving deep into some some other shit so i was kind of like all right whatever i mean in regards to the song the instrument the instra um instrumentation is really done well i think the mix was good but i don't love the song it's 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 definitely kind of weak on the album yeah so it, uh, if we bring it out like darkness you're right like that was a, a they were around the same time mid 2000s i think of bands that were coming out of that same time out of the uk like the arctic monkeys mm. uh or, or block party but let's take arctic monkeys they're singing in their albums like whatever people say i am that's what i'm not they're talking their songs about like getting kicked out of pubs and getting into like fights at the bus stop and you know like you know getting in scraps at pool halls and stuff like that they're real common common level and everyone can relate to them which is probably why they were more successful and more popular mm. and their music reached more people whereas muse are aiming a little bit higher at these like lofty political ideals and and mm. sort of vague political statements i think it's all a bit wanky and thematically at least so it gets lost on you you know like you can't relate to it on a, on a visceral level they've been compared a lot to depeche mode in particular mm. with this song which apparently shares a similar chord structure to depeche mode Enjoy the silence. I honestly can't really hear it, but you know, if I play them side by side, maybe some people can. Right. And lead singer Matt Bellamy is quoted as about the comparison. He said, I've known Depeche Mode for years, but I've never listened to their music properly until maybe one year ago. I can understand the association because they're a band that never really fitted in exactly with the music of their time. They had their own thing, their own style, their own sound, and I respect them very much. I think it's fine. You know, like they can, you can copy a band from 20 years ago. Like who, who cares, man? Block Party, Franz Ferdinand made a career out of doing Gang of Four tracks. The Strokes just copied television tracks from 30 years ago. Everyone borrows from each other. I'm fine with it. And it sounds... I think the two tracks sound different enough. Um, it's It sounds... Like, this This song was fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. The the composition's good. It wasn't my favorite song. I, I, I Like I said before, I prefer more stuff like Starlight or Supermassive Massive Black Hole. But for me, this is a, this is a weak song of the album so we just had the map of the problematic and then they continue on with soldier's poem and i was very very pleasantly surprised by soldier's poem it's a short little tune about a soldier who's unsure about why he's fighting in the in this war and he keeps risking his life this was such a nice mix-up because we've had non-stop pretty much just sound noise mm. electronic noise for the whole album this is almost a 1950s ballad. Frank mm. Sinatra could sing this song. It's so soft and mellow and acoustic all the way through. And after you've just been battered around the face by electronic music, this is a nice surprise. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely agree. I liked how the album slowed down in uh, this song. Um, the harmonies are done really well. I got a bit of a um, Queen vibe, right? You, you can imagine like them doing this song especially with Bellamy singing and then the harmonies coming in. You're really on point after you're getting beaten over with all these different electronic sounds coming at you and distortion and all this stuff. This is just uh, a a pleasant uh, treat for the ears. I did notice that a lot of the songs on Crazy Hits are very 80s centric. Is that mm. is that fair to say? Like I'm I'm just looking at like you're looking at the track listing because next up we have I Will Survive, which mm-hmm. is a Gloria Gaynor, and Nelly the Elephant, which is a children's song. But you got you know yeah. like the final countdown, I'm too sexy, we are the champions, um, Last Christmas is on the bonus tracks, all this all these songs. Like they're they're all eighty, so they're not even modern fun remixes. Like I can understand if it's two thousand and six and you're remixing popular songs like drop it like it's hot and you do a crazy frog remix of it or something like that but it's not these are all songs not only is it incredibly uncool because they're mixing a meme into them and doing shoddy covers but they're all songs that are 25 years old as well yeah yeah i mean it's sweden they barely have electricity or any type of pop culture over there you know what i mean i think their whole culture is about furniture that you have to assemble yourself and 
uh meatballs and that's it that's all they have this is this is this is their high art crazy frog that's why i think this album was um i'm successful there. I, I am shocked they didn't include some abba songs oh yeah abba yeah is, but you know what it's probably uh um sacrosanct to do that to abba and even more so they realize that this is crazy frog this is a piece of shit so they're like we're not we're not gonna uh desecrate our national treasures <laughs> heck yeah that's exactly it uh did you have anything for i will survive i mean i'd love that you know it's a good song i will survive but come yeah, on yeah i will survive is a good song this i don't know i mean <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are we doing i mean for all i did in my notes because as i was like first of all uh, well, I'll say it on air too because I told we spoke earlier in the week, and I was like, "Dude, I'm dreading this album because I just feel like I yeah, just, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to get myself into." But this album is covers of old songs, and then just Crazy Frog just kind of putting his sound effects on it. One thing I noticed with with this song, I think this is the point where <laughs> can't even say it, believe I'm saying the artist Crazy Frog got a little lazy because I noticed there's less. <laughs> of him on this song <laughs> this is how deep it got to a point like i can't believe we're actually you're analyzing the amount of dings and dongs on yeah each. exactly this is this is a low point <laughs> what is what is the meme equivalent like what would the meme be today that they would remix into a song oh, is there something is like- there like an audio audio meme i mean i don't know i the first meme i thought it was like pepe the frog you know that guy yeah yeah but it's more of a visual thing than an audio thing i, I can't even think of uh, you know do you know the 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 audio clip of like it's a, a black father crying at like an intervention oh yes yes that's a that's a good Yelby. one it sounds yeah. like a pokemon cry or something yeah yeah i still love you <laughs> that's that's a that's a good audio meme um I look, I'll, I'll dig some up and I'll mix some in, but yeah, yeah, this is like, it's, it's crazy to come up with an album full of them. I mean, that's, that's bizarre. And not even that, and for that to be successful, that is the crazy part too. That's what's disgusting about it. Yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, they say the music business is a dirty business and this is proof right here. Like it's, this is ridiculous. I'm surprised that uh, more Trump remixes haven't come out. You know, like the way he says, China, 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 China. Um, oh. Surely that would be remixed into like 15 songs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll, he, he probably owns all that stuff. So if you try to do that, um, he'll probably just sue you and then uh, say that it's, the whole system is rigged. <laughs> Who so. did more damage to America, Crazy Frog or Trump? I think it's Crazy Frog. Really? Yeah. It's got to be. At this point, I, I would say so. I mean, at least Trump has his supporters. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And he almost, you know, I mean, there's 75 million people that did vote for Trump. <laughs> Let's be honest. I will I will come out as a Trump supporter tomorrow before I ever admit to listening to Crazy Frog. <laughs> uh, man, that is... That's a ooh, that's a hard one, but I might have to agree with that as well, man. This is this is really bad because the whole album after this point it gets to the point it's just like okay, it's this with Crazy Frog, and then even the next song Nelly the Elephant. I was like, what what is this? Like it's a it's a children's song, right? It was it was written in 1956 by a guy named Ralph Butler, and it's like a really like a Sesame street child song. I've never heard this. I assume it's English and uh, they just put crazy frog on it again. And then I read that the, there's a punk, uh, uh, a punk band, the toy dolls that actually did a cover of Nelly, the elephant. And they had a lot more success because um, their cover went to number four um, in the UK that year. So I guess it's maybe super popular in England or just in Europe in general, but I don't know, man. It's a, this is this is um, this is absolutely abhorrent that this saw the light of day and this was actually a thing. Let's move back to black holes and revelations. I didn't really have anything for the next song, Invincible. There are some soft vocals and a nice gradual build into another arena sort of sing along. You know, they fill out Wembley Stadium and get eighty thousand people there, and they're all singing along. I'm sure it'd be good live. 
but in-studio doesn't do much for me. And I've heard a lot of reports that Muse are much better live than in-studio. That doesn't capture mm. the grandeur of their sound because they use so much distortion, you know, as you, as you mentioned, um, that the sort of echoey effects of an arena help with that. Um, and Bellamy shreds out this big guitar solo here. It doesn't really do anything for me. I'm not really that into guitar solos in general, to be honest. Mm. Um, okay. Where, and I'm sure it's very impressive on a technical level, the way he's picking and stuff. But, you know so are colonoscopies they're very impressive on a technical level but i don't don't find them you know the next song though assassin much heavier i was getting real new metal vibes from this guitar like it was like a limp biscuit song they almost that guitar line is it's almost snarling at you it's driving so hard i can see jason statham fighting off maybe six or seven bad guys in an underground car park while this plays in the background. For sure, yeah. for sure. This was apparently influenced by the punk band Lightning Bolt. It's interesting how many, you know, like, punk influences they had for this album, because I didn't hear it that much. Uh, but again, the lyrics are lost on me. I'm not saying it's to the level of Crazy Frog's lyrics, but what is he actually saying here? Quote, War is overdue. The time has come for you to shoot your leaders down and join forces underground. Blech. Sort of political, vague, pretentious lyrics without actually saying anything of note or saying something actually, you know, say, oh, just rise up, you know, tear your leaders down. What are you actually saying? What's the actual message besides just random anarchy? Yeah, with with Invincible, I will say I did like that song. It was short. It was uplifting and pleasant. And it was it was okay. It it, it reminded me a bit of uh, We Are Young by Fun, but not as corny with that like i don't i don't know how you feel about that song i feel like that song we're young i feel like it's so like reaching it's i feel it is kind of corny i fucking hate that song man that's one of my least favorite songs yeah it just for me it's just like okay they made this for high schoolers that are just graduating you know and just like corny that's the only way i could say it just sounds really like you know like sing-along songs and there are many like name the great sing-along songs of our time you know living on a prayer um, Mr. Mr. Brightside, Wonderwall, right? They're all sort of organic, whereas I feel like that We Are Young song, it was designed by studio executives. We need a sing-along song that people Exam- will... Oh, yeah, exactly. We need like an anthem to put out there for the for the millennials. We need to reach the millennial demographic. So, um, so it's that. So that's why I thought about... That's the vibe I got with Invincible, but it wasn't as shitty as as a uh, as a uh, fun song and then with assassin i think you made a great point there i can definitely see uh jason's the transporter or uh john wick just <laughs> kicking ass to uh to a bunch of um you know mafia henchmen while he's you know sticking pencils in their eyes and shit but yeah it definitely has like a metal sound and this is for me where it's like and it goes back to the thing. I was like, who is, who is Muse? Like, I don't know. Are, are they kind of rock pop band that I heard on Starlight or are they this? Cause they can do both of them. And um, for me, it was just like the album's all over the place. I, I thought this was a fine song. I, I can, I can listen to it again, but for me, it was just like, where, where are we going with this? Um, it's, it's like, who, what is your actual brand what's your flavor here because it's not it's not really cohesive i know they're they're trying to do something more adventurous with the space sci-fi thing but i just i don't get it man yeah yeah crazy frog does ice ice baby now this is definitely not vanilla ice right it's definitely not vanilla ice wrapping it's a european guy with a bit of an accent so they couldn't get vanilla ice to do the vocals on a remix like this think about this Crazy Frog is a project that is so bad it's even beneath Vanilla Ice. That should speak volumes. Check out episode four. That should speak volumes about what this project is and how it sounds. Yeah, that is... It's very ironic, especially for... Because of the infamy of the song Ice Ice Baby, where, you know, he kind of... He lifted Queen's sample and would admit to it. You got Crazy Frog basically <laughs> just lifting ice ice baby and just i don't know he's just beep bopping beep bop beep bop beep bop beep bop i'm sure they've reached out to mr robert van winkle and he was just like listen i've been embarrassed enough throughout my life 
I don't need this anymore. So because it's all like I was listening to Ice Ice Baby, and the song still slaps. By the way, that's still a good yeah. song, no matter who's rapping it. It's still a hell of a song. You know, Shade with the Gauge and Vanilla with the Nine. Yes, but but this is this is the peak of this is a CD in a bargain bin of a petrol station or a gas station or a or a servo somewhere in the middle of nowhere that you pick up and put in the car and just listen to mindlessly because you're not getting any radio reception. This yeah. is this is bleak, man. It's something, you know, like a mother would buy for her six-year-old because it's safe and comic, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then there's a Copacabana, Barry Manilow cover. Um, I mean... Lose, I'm losing I'm losing life energy at this point. I'm losing my soul. Got anything? Um, yeah, I was just saying with that, yeah, just the Coco Bo- Coco Coco Cope. <laughs> I can't even like it's it's so abs- uh, absurd. Um, the Copa, but it's Copa Banana. Yeah, maybe that's a legal thing. They had to change the name. Or uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I listened to that song and I was like, it reminds me of just eight bit music. Like I can imagine it being like the background in like a street fighter video game because it's just so like digital like whatever it is yeah it's just it's just bad and then i think uh, i mean should we get to the last three songs on it because do you, do you want to just you want to just fucking push through it yeah just because squeeze I think it it's out. rip off this band-aid man because um it just it, the the faster it goes the better i mean the next one what's go froggy go go froggy so at this point at this point right like we've heard all covers all covers so that's what i thought i was like what song is go froggy go like what is it going to be like a Johnny Be Good thing? Like, go, Johnny, mm. go. That's what I was thinking. And then it comes on featuring Archie Merrington. I tried for the life of me. I tried for like an hour to find out who are the actual rappers and vocalists on these tracks. Couldn't mm-hmm. find them. Original tracks. These are originally done tracks. Yeah. Um, I think, oh, man, I bet, who knows? I mean, maybe they ran out of money for samples or for covers. Yeah, yeah. Let's get some real music on here or original songs uh i mean it's i think maybe maybe i think it's a because this they make up um i think about three of the 15 songs um so what's that 20 percent of the album maybe it's a it's a thing like you can't release an album of all covers you need at least 20 percent original music mm. or something like that because on the deluxe bonus edition tracks which we didn't listen to, and we will never listen to. No, absolutely you've not. Got, you've just got more covers. So I don't think they... It wasn't like they ran out of royalties or whatever. They've got, you know, um, Blue, Dabba Dee Baba Die, Cotton Eye Joe, Every Time We Touch, Last Christmas. They got covers, man. They got covers of Crazy Frog. I think they wanted to include these, and I I don't know where they came in. It's, it's, it's a sort of very mediocre rap sort of song. It's way mediocre, yeah. <laughs> Hella the mediocre. guy rapping is just like, it's the time to do this and that. And if I can do this, then you can rap. It's like that kind of old, like Curtis Blow type of style. And then like the beat itself, it sounds like 2006 made like, you know, Scott Storch kind of thing. Or like an early 2000, I got like a 50 cent production vibe, but the whole the whole song as in just... as in the budget was 50 cents yeah, yeah possibly yeah <laughs> for go froggy go the string section is by the artist pavel sporkle for the al- album sporkelen and the name of the song is surprise it's like a string sample they've just ripped off some weird Ooh. austrian violinist I, as I mentioned, I couldn't find any information on who the rapper was. I don't know if it's this Archie guy. I don't know if it's someone else. There's a guy, Ian, Ian someone that's on the track as well. Do you remember when we did Space Jam, how there was a Bugs Bunny rap at the end of it that was written by Jay-Z? That's correct, yeah. I assume this is like Dizzy Rascal or this is Stormzy or something before they got mm. big and they just needed a payday. So they called up, you know, Skepta and like, do you want to do this rap on the Crazy Frog thing? I was like, we'll pay you 500 bucks. And he's like, I'll do it. I'll do it, but I never have to be associated with it. Yeah, yeah, I want you to erase. I want no credits, no nothing. And also on Go Froggy Go, it's interesting. It was like a a soccer themed end to it. Mm. Where one of the lyrics, there's only one person who decides what when time is up. That's how it goes down at the World Cup. Like what is like is this promotional for the World Cup? Was this paid mm. for by FIFA? I, I didn't understand. And the next original track, Rock Steady, 
And I am reticent to say, is this the best track on the album? It is, because I wrote that in my notes as well. <laughs> I said, this is the best song on this whole album. It is essentially a Black Eyed Peas song three years before they did uh, oh they did God. it. Oh my God. Yeah, this is, I think we're, I don't know if we, the more that we do this podcast, we'll be, our tastes and our opinions are becoming more and the more. The same, bro. But I put, this sounds like a Will I Am song. <laughs> it's dance pop. With a bit of rap that's auto-tuned like crazy, oh, and the crazy frog is in it. What did you think of Rocksteady? I said, yeah, I wrote, this sounds like it's Will I Am. I said, I mean, this is the best song on the album. The rap is lame as fuck, but it's digestible. And, I mean, they, they have lyrics like, hey, frog, groove to the beat. Hey, frog, move your dancing feet. Like, it's just, uh, when you tell, you don't talk like that. In English, move your dancing <laughs> feet. Your your feet are moving, or your or they're dancing. You, they're not. The feet aren't actually dancing. It's just it's 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 uh it's it's stupid. It's that's the only thing I have. Other work. It's it's ridiculous. It's 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 it's, it's, it's fucking. I, I I'm speechless, man. I I don't think we you know um we, a couple episodes back we did Soldier Boy and uh, MGMT oh. and Soldier Boy. I was like, you know, this is the worst album that we that we've done. Dude, I I literally wrote that down in my notes. Yeah, uh, that exact new, thing. Yeah, we have a new king. <laughs> we have to crown the crazy frog as the as the new king of the worst album we've done. I thought it'd be very hard to dethrone Soldier Boy, and mm. and yet, holy dooly. Look, let's finish up Muse. Exopolitics and City of Delusion. Again, pol- vague political lyrics. And I was sort of bored at this point by it all. And the guitar's very nice. Guitar line's very nice. I'm only in it for the music. Interesting last two tracks of this album, Black Holes and Revelations. You get Hoodoo, which is a taste of what's to come. It's very Ennio Morricone-type Western music. Bassist Chris Wollstenholme said writing and recording was much more relaxed than their previous albums. They didn't have a deadline for this album. They could just make it as and take as long as they wanted. So maybe this is the sign of them fucking around and experimenting a little bit more. Because the next song, Knights of Sidonia, which was very big in Australia, it went to number one on the Triple J Hottest 100, which is, it used to be a big deal. It's a sci-fi Western song that went mainstream. And I think they deserve a claim just mm. for that, for the experimentation at the very least, because nothing else on the radio sounded like this. And I don't think anything since has sounded like this, where it's Western film music with a sci-fi bent with progressive rock elements. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, wait, wait, you were talking about eco-politics. I did enjoy that song. Um, I, I like the sound. I, 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 I thought the, the subject matter was fun. It's, I mean, it's basically talking about an alien invasion, right? And and it like poli- and the politicians know that the aliens exist and and all these things. So I, I thought that was fine because right at this point in in my life and everything that's going on in the world, I'm ready for an alien invasion. Just let them take over the humans, and um, let's get this shit over with at this at, at you know with everything. Um, and then with the other tracks like like Hoodoo, yeah, it's a quiet song. It's consisting of like spanish electric electric guitar and piano the song starts off with bellamy bellamy like almost whispering you know doing some asmr um and and yeah i i I like the sound i like the vibe of it as well um and then knights of sidonia i thought it was very much inspired by like doctor who like the theme of doctor who oh interesting yeah i got that type of vibe of it so um yeah and i didn't realize it was you said it was number one in in australia at that one time yeah this was like a very popular song in 2007 Mm, okay yeah so um yeah i i dug it and i think it fits with the whole space theme um yeah it it wasn't it wasn't bad at all i didn't hate it Uh, it was inspired by surf rock and the 1962 single telstar by the tornadoes who featured bellamy's father george bellamy so it's sort of a nod to his to his dad and he did this song that sort of sounds like it
and Bellamy said the song title acknowledged that this is a bit funny, particularly when we're pushing the epic side of the band to almost comical levels. There's a lot of freedom in being able to laugh at yourself. So I like that. They like I, they realize they take themselves very seriously and this whole epic, grandiose thing. So they're doing a song that sounds really weird and really funny because who makes Western music and puts it on a rock album and they're, they're presenting it to people and having a bit of a laugh at themselves. I think that shows a good sense of character and a good sense of humor and it makes me like the song even more, strangely enough. Um, and yeah, I, like nothing sounds like this, really. Maybe, maybe Old Town Road by Lil Nas X is the closest Western mainstream we've got since then. But yeah, I thought it was a nice way to, to finish up and it, it still, it has the epic elements. The film clip is, is really great. It's about like a space cowboy and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a great way to finish the album. I'll tell you what's not a great way to finish an album. Super crazy sounds. Mm, I was wondering if you were going to bring it up. Um, oh, man. Do you want descri- to describe? I mean, how do, you, it's, how do you describe it? It's almost like all the leftover crazy frog sounds that they didn't use, just jumbled up, chopped and screwed, sped up, then slowed down. And it goes on for like two minutes. Everyone, it is a waste of your time. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous that this is it's crazy. It's crazy that this is on 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 an album that soul that was you know sh- sh- uh, saw the light of day. I just man, 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 man. What do you want to do? You want to take it to the breakdown? Is that what we do? Yeah, doing? I think we have to. <laughs> <sighs> I can't wait for this. Let's take it to the breakdown. Pedro, both of these albums... Okay, so this this More Crazy Hits was less successful than the first Crazy Hits album, which was essentially the same thing, covers. Uh, the Muse album went platinum ac- across the world, sold, I think, 3 million copies or so, nominated for many awards. How do you attribute the success of both these albums and how they characterize the year of 2006? Well, uh, in regards to Muse, um, one thing you mentioned before is that they were taking advantage of the internet who are dropping videos on YouTube. So I think that's a, a reason that this album, it will help the album uh, get exposure. In regards to the album, I mean, I think, I mean, they pro- they had a fan base, I'm sure. And this album is a lot more experimental, which can draw a lot of people, particularly critics, to praise them. It wasn't the greatest thing for me, but I will say like the instrumentation and the music is played very well you know there wasn't a song where i was just like okay this is a terrible song there were songs that i was just like i'm not really feeling it but nothing from it that i absolutely hated particularly comparing it to the crazy frog album where i mean why did that album get so successful oh man i mean I think people are sometimes they love punishment. I mean, this is from Sweden. You got to think about it. This is the the culture that invented the term Stockholm syndrome, where <laughs> someone kidnaps you and abuses you, and then you absolutely fall in love with them. So maybe that has something to do with it. But and honestly, the amount and I can't understate this. When you're what do you used to have to watch television and whatever was on the television, you'd have to watch because there was no other alternative. Mm. And they would play so many ringtone ads it would be like you'd been kidnapped by Jamster or one of these companies. There yeah. were You were abused with these ringtone ads. So you would see Crazy Frog 30 times a day. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then to the point that you're you're almost like Patty Hearst, you just fall in love with them. And even though they're uh, um, being the shit out of you with uh, ridiculous and annoying and atrocious music. It's a wonderful sum up, Pedro. I'll give you that. <laughs> So I can understand why Muse was successful. They've caught a lot of criticism from like, you know, a lot of publications and people with indie credibility saying they're a bit over the top and verbose and and, and wanky and up their own ass. And I get mm. it. The political statements are very vague and sweeping and sort of boring and dull. But musically, especially at this point, I can't speak for their later albums, but at this point, the album is, is good. This is a good album. And I didn't think I'd say that. I wasn't that into Muse. I still mm. don't prefer them to the other UK, like Block Party or, or Arctic Monkeys or Franz Ferdinand. But this is a good album. I can understand why this was popular. It was very of its time and has a nice concept. Um, I wouldn't listen to Muse every day, 
But I think it's nice. And, you know, if I, if I got a free ticket to see him, yeah, sure, I'd go see him live. Mm. For Crazy Frog, it was a meme that was beaten within an inch of its life and strung up to make money by some Swedish telephone company. There is no artistic merit whatsoever. In fact, it does worse than that. Rather than produce no artistic merit, it detracts from other pieces of art, such as songs by Queen and Gloria Gaynor and Europe and all these other great songs that we've come to know and love. It detracts from them by making worse versions of them. It's a disgrace to music as an art form, and it shouldn't exist anymore. So, saying that, uh, you got to choose a song from that album, Pedro, to recommend to people. Oh, right. So, from uh, Black Holes and Revelations, oh, um, uh, I'm going to choose Starlight. I, I, I just, I really like that song, um, and um, I wish more of the album sounded like this. Um, it, it has those, uh, you know, those Star Wars space opera type of themes in it, and I just thought it was a super catchy song. I can imagine it being um uh, on the radio and a single from from the album and then as far as uh oh my god crazy frog you know i i said the best song from crazy frog um it really is rock steady but people listening i want you to go out and listen to the final track which is super crazy sounds because that gives you a better idea of what this album is all about a bunch of nonsense just it's this absolute waste of everyone's time (laughs) (sighs) i really don't want to this is one of the few albums i really don't want to choose a song for the crazy frog album but (laughs) if i have to it's going to be rock steady it's an original track it's fine it'll do etc for muse i am gonna go with i was gonna say supermassive black hole because but everyone's heard that song because you'll you'll turn on that song and you'll be like oh muse do this song oh that's good yeah I'm going to go with Assassin. It is a very fun track, sort of new metal, very grungy. If you ever want to beat up 10 random unfaced terrorists uh, in an <laughs> underground parking lot, please listen to this song while you do it. It will fit the soundtrack perfectly. That's it for us at the moment. We will be back next week, depending on whether borders are shut in Australia and whether I can get to another state or not. We should be back next week. Uh, We'll keep you posted on the Instagram. Pedro, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you next week. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everybody. Bye. L'chaim. L'chaim.